that really resonated with me that he didn't get to go to school and none of these other children get to go to school. And it really, it hit me like, I, this is insane. There's got to be a better plan. And there simply wasn't. There's just no school in the United States specifically for children with cancer. Welcome to the Parenting Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. Conscious conversations to help you take your teen from anxiety, depression, and low self-esteem to empowered and inspired so you can have less chaos and more connection in your life. It takes a village. And now, on to our show. Here. Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Parent Teen Mindset Show with Forrest and Bo. My name is Forrest. How you doing, Bo? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I enjoy this East Coast connection. You know, it's uh, 8.05 p.m. out here on the uh, East Coast on this wonderful Wednesday. We have a wonderful guest here that I cannot wait to get into the topic of the day. Awesome. Yeah, we have a very special announcement. It's This announcement right here is going to blow your socks off. So if you're driving your car, make sure you have your seatbelt on right now. <laughs> like, you know, you got to make sure you're holding on both hands on the steering wheel. And if you're That's folding right. laundry listening to this podcast, because some people listen to podcasts and fold laundry. That's what I do. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, just put the clothes <laughs> down for a second because you're going to want to hear this announcement, right? Right. And if you're like me and you're driving in the car listening to this, you know, and you have a long drive ahead of you and you want to have some really not only inspirational but educational material for the next 45 minutes to an hour, you want to listen to this. So I'll go right into it and do the introduction. We have a huge announcement that will let Marianne – Tell everybody uh, at the end of the show, because it's the first ever type of thing that's ever been done in the country, okay? When I say it's the first ever for children, we're about to find out. So without further ado, Marianne is with us. She's the executive director of the One Voice Foundation, and they provide a host of services to include financial and emotional and educational support to families affected by pediatric cancer. They also have a legislative uh, outreach arm where they go up and they talk to, on Capitol Hill, um, you know, important influential politicians that so they can help get some more funding for pediatric cancer. And she's going to go into these stats. She's going to go into exactly what they're up against. Her organization in Central Florida is on the front lines of helping families that have a lot of them that have gone through the unimaginable. Now, after you hear this, you're going to realize it happens to a lot more families than you think. And it's one of the most underfunded demographics mm-hmm. uh, out there as far as right. cancer uh, dollars go. So without further ado, Marianne, thank you so much. This show's all about thank you. you. guys. Marianne, oh, thank welcome. You. Thank yep, you, yep. guys. I do. I am with Bo. I love the East-West connection. I love uh, getting together because cancer doesn't discriminate, uh, unfortunately, and it doesn't discriminate at any age. So uh, the One Voice Foundation, as Bo said, works with pediatric cancer. Uh, We have four major focuses. Our first is our family support programs. Our second is our research lab where we are working on the vaccine for leukemia. Our third, as Bo mentioned, is our legislative efforts uh, where we travel to Capitol Hill twice a year with our families from West Central Florida. And our fourth is the One Voice Academy, which will be the school for children with cancer, which we're going to get into at the end of the show, give you the big update on that. So what I wanted to do was talk a little bit about our programs, first and foremost, uh, because our families are our number one focus, and we do offer emotional, psychosocial, financial, recreational, and educational programs. I am a pediatric um, oncology social worker here in Tampa, 
have been for just about 30 years, actually. So long, long time, been, been around the block a few times um, and have met amazing, amazing families. And it's been quite a journey personally and professionally. So I want to tell you a little bit about our programs. And their programs were designed to meet the needs of the entire family, not just the patient. A lot of programs are designed, obviously, to help the child. We're non-medical. And we believe that the entire family's diagnosed, not just the child. Our families, our parents, grandparents, um, siblings, every one of them. Once this child is diagnosed, it's, it's the family's diagnosis. So our first program is our I just Sorry to yes. interrupt, but uh, that's, the oh, first time, that's, that's the first time I've actually heard like that perspective, you know, coming. Mm -hmm. You know, you're the first one that kind of brought that to my awareness. Because like when one person in the family gets cancer, we, we always try to isolate it. And right. what you're saying right. is that person getting cancer means that basically everybody's going through it together. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. At the, the whole family dynamic changes. Um, marriages change. We have an 80% divorce rate with our parents. Siblings, um, you know, if siblings get a huge hit as well. I mean, sometimes you don't see your mom or dad for a month or two if they're out of town with, with the patient. Um, right now with COVID, we only allow one parent in the hospital. So if you get admitted for three or four weeks with your child, it's not like you can exchange mom and dad at midnight right now. So, so families tend to, you know, really have to look for alternatives. So they're the grandparents or neighbors or friends to kind of help them through this journey. One Man, of the tough. age groups. Yeah, it is tough. It's so, very tough. And, can we stick yeah. on that for a second? So, sure. man, okay, let, let me, man, for some reason. So what's that like, you know, when during over the last year, you know, you guys have already had to have been careful anyways. You guys have already right. having these safety measures sure. before COVID, right? But what changed right. now is the actual support that they need from their right. family inside the hospital. And right. can you right. can you can you kind of explain some stuff that you've been through and sure. some creative ways that you've helped families go through that? Absolutely. Um, pediatric cancer and really anybody with a cancer um, patient in their home goes through masks isolation, social distancing. These are not new terms for cancer families. This is how we, you know, I've done it professionally for 30 years and personally in my own family. That's, that's what you do. Our programs are designed to meet that, but when you can't have your programs, it makes it even more isolating uh, because we can't gather together in support groups in buildings. We can't do tutoring one-on-one. -on -one. So what we've done is we've transitioned seven of our programs to the virtual format. Um, one of our programs is music. We do a music and art program with the Florida Academy of Performing Arts. All of that has gone virtual. So we have children playing banjos um, in their hospital rooms. We have children taking piano lessons with their laptop on top of the piano. We have children singing. We have virtual dancing. Um, they're doing performances. They're doing Oklahoma. They've done Shrek. And they've done all of that virtual. So Wait, that, that was kind of a huge transition. Thank you for that. Marianne, do you sing and play the banjo too? Because if you do, I you're going to have to do it right no. now. <laughs> no, there's, there's no talent. Unfortunately, my only talent is I can name that tune in one note. That's my claim to fame. I cannot sing. I cannot dance. So, oh, okay. No, there'll be name no talent tune. during this podcast. You're, there'll be no, there'll be no talent. You're a trivia. You're Zero. a trivia person. Okay, I got it. Got I it. like trivia. I got yeah. that. I do like trivia. Um, so that's, that's one of the ways we've been able to assist. Another way is our tutoring, um, which we're going to, you know, one of the things with COVID is that we had to look at our programs and moving forward, it changed to moving forward. Like our tutoring program, which we've offered for 12 years, is one-on-one -on -one in person. 
why not keep it virtual? You know, we're able to reach, I have a little guy in, in Maine, you know, and we're in Tampa, but he was one of our survivors who moved to Maine. He, he Zooms with us all the time, which is great. We can reach the children in the hospital. If we have somebody at Sloan Kettering or St. Jude's, you know, we're all connected, which is so super cool to do that. You know, they develop relationships with their tutors and mentors, and then it's cut off. So we also started a pen pal program. And, you know, we all like to get mail. And let's be honest, I don't think this generation knows how to put a stamp on an envelope. And they're not even teaching cursive in school. So the pen pal program came out of COVID as well. It's a great way to stay connected. They have to practice their handwriting. Punctuation, imagine that. Yeah. Putting the letter in the envelope getting it snail mail. We're not texting. We're not, it's an actual skill as well as communicating, which has been kind of neat. The kids have been making cards and the tutors hang them in their bedrooms. They send pictures. And so it's been kind of a neat way to communicate. It might be old school, but you know, sometimes it works and it's safe and you still feel connected. It's very difficult to stay connected in the good, in the best of circumstances with isolation. But the Pen Pals program is another one that's been really, really super great. And Ryan, we've had special guests. And, yes. I was going to say, um, sorry to interrupt, but uh, you oh, are. You have to interrupt with Marianne. Yeah. <laughs> you have to. She um, just goes. I, I love where you're going. The, the program sounds amazing, by the way. The tutoring, the music, the arts. I mean, you're bringing all yeah. of this richness in education. Yeah to these kids this is amazing you know and, yeah. and before we get any deeper because the program is just it, it's blowing my mind um what i would love to know and our listeners would too is we like to go like deep into the story the story behind the story if you know what i mean and, okay. and people want to sure. really know like why why did you do this like why did you start this why like what yeah. is your person yeah. your personal why you know because that, personal that, story. That, that's sure. that's gonna really you know help people i think the listener understand why this is so important to you and why we need to sure. really key into this i uh, like i said i started my career uh, just about 30 years ago um, as a pediatric cancer uh, social worker and three years into my career um, my nine-year-old son was diagnosed with fourth stage non-hodgkin's lymphoma uh, my son was diagnosed nine hours after my dad uh, same day, nine hours apart. And it was a rude awakening, obviously, at every level. One of the biggest revelations, I guess, was the difference between an adult cancer diagnosis and a childhood cancer diagnosis. When my dad was diagnosed at 10 a.m., my mom and I stood there and we had tons of options. You know, we can do this, we can do this. Oh, and we'll try this. And, oh, and we'll do this and this. and the, Or he can do this. 7 p.m. that night, my husband and I uh, had one option. This is what we're doing. And the chemo that um, my son was started on was developed in 1958. I was born in 1958. So in my entire lifetime, there's been no new medication, no new chemo drug for the, ch for the children. Um, so much of the emphasis is on adult cancers, which is, which is nice. That's great. We have a lot more adult cancers. But only four cents, four cents, four pennies on a cancer research dollar goes to pediatric cancers. And there's hundreds of pediatric cancers who then have to fight for those four cents for research and funding. Whereas 96 cents on the research dollar goes to, you know, prostate cancer, breast cancer, liver, lung, the adult cancers that are obviously more common in adults. Right. And we feel that that's not right. And there's a national campaign called More Than Four. 
and that we're very involved with to try to raise awareness and funding for pediatric cancer research and our survivors. Um, so when my son was diagnosed, um, I went very quickly from the staff lounge to the parent lounge. And when that happened and the families that I had been working with were now my peers, um, and my son was the bald one in the, running around with his IV pole with kids he knew because he knew them from my job, which is just insane in of itself, um, I learned a whole lot, obviously. Um, you think you know a lot about a topic because you work in the field, you've written the papers, you've done the right. talks, you've done the fundraising. Mm -hmm. No. Not when it's your child at night throwing up and not when it's, you know, you're trying to make do with your sibling, trying to make sure that your daughter is taken care of at the same time. And, you know, meanwhile, my dad is sick and like all these things are happening. And um, it made me really look at the programs we had been offering, you know, one of which was when a child's diagnosed, we would race in like Mary Poppins and, you know, throw all these resources at the family and think that we're... And then it was me in the hospital. I'm like, oh my gosh, please let me I, let me just digest this a little bit. You know, right. this, is, this is my child. You know, right. so that was one of the things I changed dramatically. Was let's let's let the family try to percolate for just a couple days. Right. Let get the out. You know, the family that lives out of town. Get them in town. Let the decisions get made because they're not gonna. I'll be honest. I wouldn't remember anybody that came in that room, and these are my colleagues, and I don't. I just don't remember any of it. So yeah, I mean, you would have like changed. a tunnel vision at that point, and just like right. you know, I, I can imagine that, you know, the world might just seem like everybody's in an echo chamber and just like whoa, it it's, disorienting. Yeah, I, I described it as the Charlie Brown teacher. You know, it's like wah right. wah wah yeah. wah wah. Like I don't even know. You know, you hear that expression that when you hear the c word, you know, you do do do. Yeah. And I always said as the social worker, if I tell your audience that their child has an 80% survival rate, what do you hear? I don't you even hear, understand. You right. hear that my child has a 20% chance of dying. And at that point, you don't hear anything because you're right. just like, okay, wait a minute. This is it. This is real. This is the C word. And this is my child. So, you know, there's so much to try to digest medically and then you're trying to, you know, work with these programs and trying to, you know, to make it all happen. And, you know, just and you're going through overwhelming. a form of grief. Yeah, and you're going through a form of grief, too. Like Absolutely. We, we had a grief counselor on. You know, I think we connected her with you as well. And she broke yes. it down very eloquently when she said, look, you know, these sudden changes like this, even mm -hmm. if there's that kind of danger or that kind of finality looming, that's a form of right. grief that you're going through. And Absolutely. so that's why I think the, the emotional support and the other things that you guys provide is, is great. But yeah, please, please continue. Well, yeah, it's an anticipatory grief. You know, right. you're anticipating that this could happen. And one of the expressions that I used to use and then really felt it is the loss of potential. You know, they often say that, you know, when you lose a parent, you lose your past. But if you lose a child, you kind of lose the future. You, you know, we don't, you don't, if the child passes, you don't get the grandchildren, you don't give the weddings and college graduations. So there's that tremendous loss of potential that yeah. goes with anticipatory grief, you know, just kind of, kind of anticipating that this is a reality, that this could happen. So it's very challenging. Um, Sometimes so, I look at a, a yeah. vision of the future as a, as a future memory, like the brain can like look at the future as a memory almost. And when Absolutely. that memory that memory becomes something that's robbed of you, I mean, uh, yeah, that that would be a horrific uh, kind of a thing. Sure, sure. And try to come back from it. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
So we do try to provide um, a lot of programs that can help the what we call the ripple effect. You know, your mm -hmm. child was just diagnosed with cancer. However, here's the possibilities of what you can do and what you're yeah. I'd say, use the word eligible for. And I always say I, I hate to welcome you, but uh, I had a mom say to me not too long ago, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not glad my child got cancer by any means, but I'm glad my child got cancer here in Tampa because mm. there are many, many organizations. We're very blessed in Tampa to have, you know, four or five organizations that are dedicated just to pediatric cancer. We have three hospitals that serve pediatric cancer. There's a ton of cities in this country that don't even have pediatric oncologists on, on call or on staff in their hospitals. So parents have to travel you know, using Ronald McDonald houses and hotels and extra expenses because they don't have the resources. And, and mm. you look at Tampa, and I don't think you realize when you live here how blessed you are until some of these families travel to other cities and they're like, oh, you have that? You have that? Like, we don't even have that, you know? So, mm. so we're very blessed that our families have access to many, many organizations and resources here, uh, which is wonderful, which is great. So, That's so blessed with yeah, and you know, you know, and we know that it affects the entire family, you know, and, and this being a, a teen and parent show, right? So when yeah, we're talking absolutely. about the siblings, the siblings that go through this, and you know, for all the parents listening, uh, if it's not you know cancer or something else traumatic that happens in the family, and you have a teenager, you know, that's having a hard time processing it, what she's about to tell you is going to be very applicable. The things and the tools and the resources that they use for their siblings is very applicable. We've worked with some of them uh, on a younger mm -hmm. scale. So sure I think, have. you know, if we can kind of talk about what is it like whenever, you know, you seen in a family environment where, you know, then you have mom and dad that aren't getting along because, you right. know, obviously, you know, uh, bless right. them, but they're having issues. The teen seeing that sometimes the teen gets isolated because the focus obviously needs to be for, you know, a period of time on, on what's going on. So sure. what are some things that you see and then some things that you guys do to help parents dealing with teens that experience trauma? This short break comes from our sponsor, you. That's right, you are the reason our show exists. Thank you. Please head over to ParentTeenMindsetShow.com and become a patron of the show. It takes a village. With your monthly contribution, you help us support more parents and teens. We appreciate you big time. And now, back to our show. Sure. One of the things that I do when I when I speak to medical students, I'll say, or any audience really, I'll say, raise your hand if you have a brother or sister. Let me do it with you too. Raise your hand if you have a brother or sister. Right here. All right. Right here. Right here. Now keep that keep that hand up. Okay. If you if you've ever wished harm on that child, and be honest, you know I'm how many I'm of I'm you have said to your brothers and sisters, "I wish you would die. You always get the bigger piece of cake. Why do you always get the front seat? You're an idiot." Well, so that very child, right? I was just gonna say. I mean, it's, I think I, I think anybody would be lying if they said right. they didn't. You know, let's be really, if it. you're being very honest about it. You know, of course, if that's what siblings do. You know, sibling rivalry is you know very. So now that child that you've wished harm on at some point, not necessarily meaning it, but at the time you might have meant it. You know, now they have a life-threatening illness. So sometimes yeah. the younger children have what we call magical thinking that they somehow. No, I didn't mean to say that. And, you know, they somehow feel responsible for that child's illness. So there's a lot of guilt. Um, I should let her just have the front seat. I should have given her the cupcake. You know, there's, all, there's like all this guilt going on in their head. 
and they have absolutely nothing to do with it. But they're four years old and or they're eight years old, and the younger ones have a, a lot of a lot of trouble. The older siblings tend to be so protective and don't understand why they got it and why I didn't get it. You know, I'm older. Or, you know, they become very protective and and uh, of right. the littler ones. And and um, teens have a, a very special kind of uh, infallibility, I think sometimes. So I don't think they necessarily, I don't think a lot of us, I don't think any of the children really process the possibility that this sibling could pass. So it's very difficult for them to even get into that arena, uh, which makes it a very tough nut to crack, if you will, down the line, you know, with grief work itself. Um, there's just a lot of guilt and there's a lot of, just a lot of, it's a very emotional time anyway, just hormonal time and and things like that. Um, sometimes there's resentment and then you feel bad that you resented it. Um, Mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, families just completely fall apart. Oh, mom didn't come to my football game again. And, oh, I I mean, that's okay that she didn't, you know, it's kind of like Mm -hmm. you walk that line of, I didn't mean that, but I did mean it, you know, it's it's, it's a very frustrating time to, um, because everything I had a sibling say to me, uh, she was walking down the hallway in her school and she was getting ready to go in for a test and her sibling was very ill. And another teacher stopped her and said, you know, how's your sister? And she said, it just threw me right into, you know, I, I, as it was, I wasn't ready for the test to begin with. But she said, you know, she goes, I don't mean to be, but everything becomes about her. And, you know, maybe somebody could ask me how I'm doing. Yeah. So we started a program as a result of that. Um, you know, I saw what it did to my own daughter. And I, I know, you know, I only had the two children. And so now, How old you was know, your I, daughter? You know, your, your son was nine at the time. How old was your daughter and my at daughter, the time? Yeah, she was 11. Yeah, they're 27 months apart. And she was very, very involved in his care. We actually got airlifted by helicopter down to Miami Children's. Um, My son ultimately died in Miami. And, you know, she gave up almost two months of school and was on a flight and was was by our side the whole time. And, you know, she's 11 years old. You know, she's a Girl Scout. She's a ballerina. You know, she's, you know, a normal 11-year-old child. And, you know, she sees what this is doing to her brother, to her parents, to her grandparents, to her whole family. And, you know, that, that has a lifelong ramification. Uh, my mom lost a sibling uh, to juvenile diabetes. And it was interesting that my mom and daughter could have a conversation that I could never have. I never lost a sibling, so I, I, I can't have that conversation. So um, siblings just have a very special place in my heart. They go through so much. Um, so the sibling program is only for siblings. All of our programs are for patient and siblings, except the sibling program. We don't ask how your brother's doing. We don't ask how your sister. We don't even talk about cancer. We go to the zoo. We go to the aquarium. We do drum circles. We do drum cool. making. We yeah. just have a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And um, Bo can testify to that. We've had a we've yeah. had a whole lot of fun. Bo did a wonderful event. We did a drone scavenger hunt with the kids, which was Whoa. super cool. And it was yeah. uh, it was like a boot camp, and it was <laughs> it was a lot of energy and a lot of fun, and the siblings really bond because they can have a conversation they can't have at school. Right. They can have a conversation they can't have at scouts. But I, yeah, I know what you mean. So they can have their own conversations and they exchange phone numbers and many of the families get together, not with our program, but as a result of it, in each other's so, houses, sleepovers. You know, we were, and to me, that's cool. I love that part. I we love that too. That, that's so great, Marianne. That yeah, and like the design behind it, because we know that so, you know, we know working with Mary Ann, some of the things that she's talking about today, because we've worked with her for a while. 
and we saw the energy levels of some of the kids that we know we're going to be working with and we wanted them to get it out in a positive way so we made it more of a very um, high impact high energy event for us to like really get it was through, to really get i mean to try to wear yeah. them out and then get some of that emotion out through positive through movement and you know yeah. that you yeah. know running and owning boot camps and gyms for us like the the power in that for us is what we were trying to connect them with is give them sure. an outlet you know and then one where i'm out a little bit from when their parents got up, so, <laughs> you know sleep on the way and, home <laughs> Yeah, so we we built out this whole scavenger hunt, and we had riddles, and they had to do it. And they got to pet the animals, you know, at Old Mickey's farm. Yeah. So thank you, Ralph, yeah. for that, and, and yeah, let us use great. that. And uh, you know, that was the whole thing, man. Is just trying to find a positive outlet for these little ones, you know, to right. express however they want to express. Sure. Run and go crazy and go wild if you want to, and uh, have fun doing it. So it was a blast. And kind of be the center of attention too, you know. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice really to just. On you know, how's your dog? You know, if you know their dog's name or you know something about them, you know, just make it about them. And it's, it's just, it's really profound, actually. It's very special. Yeah. Marianne, I love, that's one of my, it's one of my favorite programs. Marianne, what was your son's name? My son's name was Jay. It was John the fourth, but he went by Jay, J-A-Y. Jay Bird was his nickname. So blue jays are our symbols, as Bo knows. Uh, we just painted a huge blue jay mural um, out at the camp that is magnificent. Oh, I saw um, that so. on Facebook. You, you tell that is, see it? That is so cool. I love that mural. Yeah, and uh, that I just wanted so to say beautiful. that uh, today I definitely feel, you know, Jay with with you and, you know, yeah. his presence, his presence with you. And, um, yeah, I, I definitely feel that. I feel it a lot, too. A lot of times things will happen and I, I just smile and I'm like, I know that's you or there's some sort of divine intervention. And. You know, having lost him and my mom and my dad, you know, um, I just kind of, my coping skill is that they're just having a hell of a good time, you know, I just feel like they were very close and uh, they did a lot of one-on-one -on -one and I feel like, okay, you know, they're up there, I'm sure, in heaven raising hell, that's what I always say, in heaven raising <laughs> And see, that's what I love about Mary Ann for us and I want you to connect you because... Um, She's been doing it for a long time. She's been telling the story for a long time, but yeah. it never, it's always, and I know it never gets easier, but to cope and I want she, you know, it's a really good word that I want our listeners to, if you're going through this at all, if, if you're going through anything, any type of grief or loss, uh, like our good friend here has gone through, you know, you do have, she'll give her contact information. You'll have ours to show you, you know, there are coping skills and there are people in communities mm -hmm. that do love you, that are looking for you and waiting for you to reach Absolutely. out to them if you need help. Absolutely. Like, and I, but I mean this, we love, we love the people we come in contact and serve and every one of our different genres that we're in. And we want you to know that because it takes a long time to be able to cope. Marianne, you know that, and it was not easy. Oh, absolutely. It's a daily it's thing. It's still not, you know? it's, it's still it's not still, easy. Yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. You know? We're actually are doing a lot of online grief work. I'm partnered with a uh, wonderful organization in D.C. It's one that we travel to when we go up to Capitol Hill, arms wide open. And we. it's been really interesting. I had a woman from um, England, and I have a woman this weekend from New Zealand. So we're kind of reaching out to uh, yeah. a lot of different countries. And it's amazing the universal language of grief. She Man. can tell her story, and I'm like, I, I'm sorry, that's my story. Like, you know, like wow. the moms are like, wait a minute, the universal wait a minute. language of grief. Yeah, it's a universal language. It's like, your mom said that to you? My mom said that to me. Like, it's, wow. a, it's, it's, it's a commonality that you wouldn't want to have with somebody, but, but very grateful that we do. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, so there's been a lot of, mainly because of COVID, I feel so bad for our newly bereaved as well because many of our families couldn't even have funerals. And that's just, I can't even begin to imagine, I can't oh, even man. begin to imagine 
not being able to have um, a child's celebration of life or funeral, and, and, and yet that's where we're at. If you had ever told me I would be watching a virtual funeral, um, I th would tell you you were completely insane, but unfortunately that's, that's how it's been. You know um, what? Terrible. I mean, I mean, I know we're live here too, but you know what we should talk about too is figuring out maybe we get a list and we do something special as everything opens up. Maybe we do something yes. special. Have you guys thought about yes. that? We have, and actually, I want to. I'll talk to you off air. But let's, our let's event on April Tate, uh, our event on April eighteenth that we're planning now for our bereaved family, our Voices of Angels program. Um, we will be there. Would be something that I'd like to involve, especially. I, I knew you'd appreciate that. Especially I just felt that. Bereaved. I just yeah. felt that. Let's do it. You got it. It's sent there. I sent it to you. Correct. You, you did. It? I got it. So we're, we're doing a. We're gonna do a, a, a bereavement group. You know where we we're gonna go in and do some work, and we're gonna we're gonna work with the dads. So if the dads see this, uh, we're coming. We're gonna have some fun, fellas. That's so awesome. I hope you guys see this. We can share them at this podcast, Marion, and let them know. You know, we, oh, we will, really want to we really want to go in with absolutely. these with these with these strong fathers and these warrior fathers, and we want to teach them that uh, you know they're they're one of the select few, and we're here for them. And we want to, you yeah. know, we want to teach them uh, some mindset that we talk about for us, and do some really cool, you know, workshops with them. So we're excited about it. Fantastic. We often talk about the difference between men and women, and you know, women are gatherers and men are hunters. So you know, women gather and pour out the cabernet and have at it, and men just are like not necessarily even come to the meetings. Um, let's go average, throw a football. Like, yeah, yeah. Let's just or or not go at all. Let's just stay home. And, oh yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it's not a criticism by any means at all. It's just right. men and women tend to grieve differently, which can cause again some issues in the marriage and. You know, a lot, there's a misconception that, well, dad's back at work, you know, he's fine. And it, that's so not the case. You know, dad's back at work because you need the insurance and because it pays the mortgage or whatever the situation is. And, you know, we have we want to make sure, again, not only does cancer affect the whole family, but obviously the death affects the whole family. And, and grieving can be very different levels between moms and dads. So um, sometimes when we meet as a group, we do separate the moms and dads. And that's mm -hmm. what Bo's referring to on... On up, our next upcoming event on April 18th, he's going to be leading the men, and I'm going to have the women in the kitchen gathering. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. So thank I'm, you, I'm thank really you for um, meeting. Yeah. Thank you for going deeper into you know the why and and just your whole story, and uh, I can just see how you know this work just emanates from you. You know, and it's uh, you're really like an yeah. earth angel. That's what I like to call you, an, <laughs> an earth angel. Yeah. You know, uh, you're here looking after all these families, all these children, all these bereaved, uh, you know, and, and just all these people and guiding them through a process where when they're in that position, man, that is like an earth angel. Like you're able to come in, hold somebody's hand and say, I got you. We're going to go this way. I know, I know it's all smoky and there's fire everywhere, but I'm going to take you through this hallway and we're going to go out together. So that's, that's awesome. Before I, um, you know, uh, how do you go back in time? Um, you were talking about, you did research, you do lab, you do legislative, you do the yes. academy. Yes. Tell me more than right. about the, the program. This is awesome, Marianne. Yeah. So, um, again, the programs, as I said, um, are really for the whole family. And on top of, um, we also have equine therapy. I wanted to mention our horse pro our horses, because it's, it's a very powerful and wonderful program. We have 13 therapy horses that we have at quantum leap farm, our community partner. Um, and they are absolutely the majestic beasts, if you will. They're just precious. We did a bereavement group with the horses one time. And my assignment was I assigned each family a horse. 
and we painted the horse and one of the moms just was not getting into it and just couldn't get into it, the horse started crying. <gasps> and I share that story because I, you have to understand how powerful, that pro, how powerful these horses are. This isn't ride em cowboy, this isn't rodeo, this isn't summer camp, yippity yay yo. These horses, many of them are retired um, police horses, um, just they're very in tune with you. Uh, they work with children with autism, they work with the vets. It's a huge vet program for PTSD. And that's how I found it, and that's why I wanted to mention it on your show. I started researching PTSD because I realized with cancer survivors, um, there's this PTSD, there's this notion that I've cheated death. I've lost three patients uh, over the years that survived cancer and were killed as teenagers, two of them on motorcycles over the years with reckless mm. behavior, and one jumped off a balcony because he thought he could fly, apparently, and unfortunately wow. couldn't and um, died. And, and you know, in talking and dealing with the families over the years, you know, the, the notion was that, you know, I, I beat cancer, so I cheated death, and now I'm a teenager, and I've got very high-risk behavior, and mm. it'll be okay because it was okay. And uh, it's not okay. And so survivorship ha in itself is extremely misunderstood. There's a notion that, well, they survived. The problem with that is that they have lifelong effects physically and emotionally. Many are sterile. Some of them have sensory deprivation. Some of our children have hearing aids and require glasses. Um, some of them have amputations and scars. Will I relapse? My friends died, so there's some survival guilt. So there's, there's all these issues with cancer survivorship. And I'm a teenager, so I, I've got you know, all the adolescent issues as it is. I've gained a lot of weight. I've lost a lot of weight. Uh, my hair didn't come back. My hair came back curly and crazy or not the way I want it to be. And so the teenage years are, are very precious, the teens, um, and, and very challenging. Um, their, their friends have gone on to college and maybe they're delayed so they're not quite caught up so what group do I fit into but they're younger and so you know just trying to navigate teenagers through this process is, is extremely challenging mm, yeah. but they do great together again you know that peer support of being together um, we've seen with the young adults um, and transitioning and them into the adult world is super special right. and that's what I wanted yeah. to kind of get into since you, you went into that right is you know, for parents listening to this with um, children with high risk behaviors, if they've gone through trauma, if they've gone through something like this in any in any form or fashion, you know, Marianne made a, you know, said a really good point is find a group where there are teenagers like them and find an Absolutely. uplifting group that's teaching them positive things. You know, Forrest has one, you know, um, he, he right. does that. And there are a lot of support groups for that, you know, because they can relate whether parents want to believe it or not. They that group can relate to them better than anybody else on this planet. And that's something powerful. Better. And that's something powerful as parents we need to know is we think we know, but we really don't. We really honestly don't know the inner workings and the and the and the unique things that are going on and the unique perspectives that hit a kid all of a sudden that make them do high risk behavior, you know, and, and, and these things that cause us to do that. We understand it, but we don't really truly experience it like our kids do. So find a group, you know, reach out to yeah, them. Absolutely. And, and what are some Get tools that you've seen that yeah. really helped? What are some tools that you see for, for uh for parents? Well, one of the things that we do, um, and again, it goes back to the horses, but we're very task orientated. You know, if you give people a goal, I like you that. know, you give them a goal, give them a couple goals, you know, and you follow up on those goals. So 
you know, you might you might say, okay, here's what I want you to do. You might want to consider a part-time job, you know, getting into a, some, a, something that focuses away from the trauma, that focuses away from the, the you know, the post-traumatic trauma and, and that fear of, you know, maybe getting a part-time job, maybe joining the church choir, maybe going, maybe trying out for the tennis team. You swam before this. Did you try, have you tried out again? You know, like kind of, you don't have to sure. necessarily get back to normal because you may never get back there. But it doesn't mean you can't find new normal things to do. And they might even be better things than you were right. doing before, Absolutely. you know. And something about change, people think is bad. There's this thing, oh, i got to change. But change can be very good, can be very healthy. It's better than getting stuck in the here and now. If this isn't working, then right. something's got to change. And right now, there's a lot of isolation. You know, the numbers right now for depression and isolation and, you know, in the adolescent age group is so sad, so outstanding, so outstanding right now with COVID and mm-hmm. so many other challenges. So I always say, sure. just get some goals, write them down, journal, talk to people, you know. Um, and sometimes they don't want to talk to their parents and, you know, find somebody that they can relate to, whether it's a group like Forrest or a family member or another organization. But, you know, just just yeah. get, with some, get with somebody and get some goals, some life coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that because um, I'm actually working on uh, a new track in our mindset coaching program for teens. And the new track actually has um, these more advanced where you apply mindset in the real world, so to speak, um, by you start uh-huh. you start as a teenager, your own podcast or your own apparel book brand. And you have a Shopify store. Exactly. And you, l- you learn exactly. leadership. And, and then we sh- and then we pair you up with subject matter experts and, and you get all this this coaching. Love but you're that. applying applying it. So I love I right. love that kind of idea. That's really cool. When I heard that you transitioned yeah. to that for us, that was such a big deal to like hear that because you know that's cool. that that's the one thing is they have to actually use it in real life outside yeah. of what they have. You know, they're and it's you know their whole body needs to go through it. You know what yeah. I mean? They need to they need to go through totally. the the losses, the wins. They need to experience yeah. it. They need some of the fatigue. They need you know they yeah. need they need a little bit of everything to rebuild that mindset. That's, that's what rebuilds right. it. That's. They don't understand. That's the layer by layer, the brick by brick that's being built as they're going through these new, uh, using these new tools, again, being confronted by new challenges. But I always say this, right? When we're going through it. These are cha- these are uplifting and positive challenges that you're asking for. So right, now that absolutely. we're asking for it, we understand now that we now have a dynamic mindset to move through it. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I, dude, it's very powerful. Like and you know, the, na- the name dude. of our group is Grip. You know, a lot of things we oh. do is with the hand. And remember, that's, that's our, my survivors. It's grip. It's guidance oh. and resources to implement your plan. Grip. Ooh. Get what's your plan? Cool. What you got? Nice. You know get what you got grip. now? Get, get a grip. grip. <laughs> Just get a grip. And that's get that that's grip. the name of our. Can't get the grip. What's your grip? It's what guidance do you need? What resources are available? But more importantly, how are you going to implement that plan? I mean, there the resources go. are there, but if you don't, if you don't get involved or, you know, implement them, then. Right. You're not going to get to the next stage of post-cancer or post-trauma or whatever, you know, whatever's going on in your life. So it's kind of get a grip and it's a grip. So you guys do give is. a little bit yeah. of, and I was going to ask this, right? Because it, sometimes it gets a little sensitive because some people want to like dance around stuff, but there comes a point when we have to like take severe ownership and get a grip, right? Like you're saying, and Absolutely. take accountability and move forward. What right. is that like? What is that like be, having that conversation? Like, hey, guess what? Now you got to get you know, a grip, and now you have to do this. It's you very know, challenging that like because to, like, really you know when point? you have a child that's sick like that, you know we 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 tend to be. And again, I always used to say this: don't let your child manipulate you, and you know whatever. 
But then when my son wanted like M&Ms for breakfast, that was perfectly fine, you know? So it's really hard to give advice and then try to leave yeah. that advice. But, you know, right? it's very, That's very challenging. It's very right? challenging. You're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Yeah, That's you can have saying. that. I, I know that I breaks imagine. all the rules, but you have cancer. So, of course, yeah. you can do that. And, you know, I, I broke all my own rules, which, you know, you do as a parent. And now you have to remold yeah. that situation you know, and again, the siblings are watching all this too. Well, how come she gets to stay up till you know, and all and that's all the all the dynamics that go on, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, now you're trying to redefine it, and you're just like it's. Some parents call it convenient cancer, <laughs> that you know sometimes the child was too sick to unload the dishwasher, but they're healthy enough to go to the party. So one of my moms actually coined she oh, has yeah. convenient cancer. So they they can you know children and they're not you know they can use the disease too you know so. You have to really have boundaries are a tough thing to do, but you have to have some sort of boundaries. You know, life has rules and life has guidelines. I'm a guideline person. You know, I know there's rules for safety things that, you know, we're not going to go 100 miles an hour down the road. Yeah, there's rules and there's laws. I like to think we have guidelines because children shouldn't get cancer. So if we didn't have cancer, we wouldn't have to even have this conversation. But the fact that they do get it, we have to have some sort of rules to follow as a result. But I know that every family story is different. And that's why you'll never see hours on the door. You know, we're always there. It's You can't say, uh, you know, we can only talk about this on Tuesdays at one o'clock. You know, every family's different and every need is different. So every every plan is different. So boundaries are important and one of the things we we see and it, it sometimes it gets a little conflicting because you'll have parents of patient a and pay parents of patient b and they have very different feelings on this whole situation so you know i always feel like switzerland like i have to make sure that you know everybody's right. kind of on the same page that you know in masks are an example sure. you know some you know some people feel well they should wear them some people feel they shouldn't and you know, like everybody, you know, but, but we do have boundaries uh, and guidelines. Um, we try to make sure that, um, that everybody has all the options. They have to make the decisions, though, not us. And I learned a long time ago to stop making decisions for people. I learned professionally that somebody once told me early on, because I'm like Mary Poppins, it's broken, let's fix it. And somebody said to right. me one time, but you, you seem to want it more than they do. I'm like, well, yeah, they should have a, they should have that. And they're like, seem pretty happy to me. I'm like, no, no, they should have this, you know. And, and it's uh-huh, like, you can't, yeah, you, yeah. It, it's you, yeah, it's a mindset, oh, yeah. and you can't you can't want it more than they do. If, if they're perfectly happy, why do I feel like I should come in and change it up because I think they should should do it this way or they should have this, you right. know? So yeah, they have so to have the, I, yeah. the desire. They have they have to want it. They have to want it. And uh, right. what you can do, I guess, is paint paint a vision for them. You know, you can paint a right. vision of what it might look like to to to, to implement these guidelines. But um, right. yeah, people but not just like anything. You can't. Yeah. Yeah, you you can't make anybody change or have the desire <laughs> no. for them. Yeah. No, of course not. Sure, sure. So, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I say for us, we, we transitioned for the last, you know, 10 to, 10 to 15 minutes into the, the announcement, you know, oh, yes. uh, that we want to go into. What do you think? Yeah. What do you All say? Right. You know, we let our audience know, um, you know, this is a big announcement and, and like, you, you know, it's the first thing in the country uh, in this manner. And so we'll, we'll hand it back over to Marianne so you can tell us what's going on and what you're doing right here in Brandon, Florida. Uh, tell us what it is, Marianne. Brand- tell us what it is. Brandon, Florida, little Brandon, Florida. So. As I stated, um, three years into my career, my own nine-year-old son, Jay, was diagnosed with cancer. And 
We were in the hospital one day, and he was in the classroom at the hospital, and they paged me and said, you know, you have to come get Jay, and and I was like, well, what do you mean I have to come get him? Where am I going? Where am I going with Jay? And uh, I went to the classroom, and they said, well, he really shouldn't be in here because you know it's it's a it's a big hospital. There's a lot of children in the classroom, and we you know they have there's a variety of reasons they're in here, and your child has got a chemo IV pole and has no immune system, so he has to go back to his room. And I just, you know, it's one of those faces I, I can tell you what pajamas he had on to this day. And I was like, what do, you, what do you mean? And he said, I can't even go to school here. And, you know, my heart just sank because my son loved to go to school. I mean, he lived to go to school. So it opened up a whole door for me. And I started talking to some of the other moms. And I'm like, you know, I never thought about it as your social worker. What do you guys do for school? Don't you just, what do you do? And they all said the same thing. We stay home. You know, when my child's sick, I stay home with my child. And um, maybe she watches them. Like, they have their own little system going on. And, you know, if the kids were safe, safe and healthy enough to go, they would go to school. But you all know, all the listeners will say, too, that, you know, if, even if your child has a runny nose, you know you're going to send them to school because you've got to go to work. So that child with the runny nose can put our children in ICU with pneumonia. So... Uh, needless to say, um, I started investigating after my son passed because I thought, you know what, that, that really resonated with me, that he didn't get to go to school and none of these other children get to go to school. And it really, it hit me like, I, this is insane. There's got to be a better plan. And yeah. there simply wasn't. There's just no school in the United States specifically for children with cancer. And I started looking at even charter schools and there's so many variations like you have a charter school for that, and yet you don't have a school for somebody who is literally life-threatening to go to school. So I approached the Hillsborough County School Superintendent and School Board, and they've been incredibly supportive um, as far as starting um, a school specifically for children with cancer. And I'm happy to say that after a long, long time, um, and many, many years, and a lot of hard work, and a couple of obstacles along the way, we will be opening um, a school for children with cancer in Tampa, Florida um, on August 10th when the kids do go back to school. Um, right now we have the preschool going and we have the tutoring program going, but the One Voice Academy will be an educational center. It's a hospital homebound satellite center. So basically what we're saying is that currently hospital homebound teachers are assigned to the hospital, right? They sit in the hospital they'll be sitting at the One Voice Academy. So it, they will not, they, you know, they'll still have the hospital classroom, obviously, for the children in the inpatient. But this is a separate, 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 you know, facility altogether. Um, and Bo will attest it is an absolutely magnificent facility. It's a 22-acre magnificent facility that houses um, a very safe classroom. Um, the tables are set up six feet apart with plastic clear between them, Lysol down constantly, wow. and all, you know. But that's how it'll always be. You know, it's not going to change. Yeah. COVID's going to go away, and cancer's not. And this right. gives children with cancer an option forever to go to this school, uh, which is wonderful. Um, Marianne, this is so amazing. This is so awesome. Congratulations on making this a reality. This is and for so cool. When we Thank when we you. flew you out for our event, yeah. it was it's that same camp. Oh, it's over that's at that uh, park. Oh, yeah, you've been. We, yeah. we did a foster yeah. kid retreat. Oh, that is so awesome. That's a beautiful oh, area. So you've yeah. Seen it. Oh, I'm excited. He's you've been seen there. It. 
Yeah, he's been well, you know, there. there's, there's a synergy for us. There's a synergy. That's, that's why I had insane. to get y'all. That's why we had to leave. No, this it's up. just crazy because I've used this camp facility for over 25 years. Um, my children went there as children. I partnered with another organization, Faces of Courage. We do camps there. Um, and I feel like when I found it for the school, I, uh, I feel like I went all the way around the block to go next door because it's right here. <laughs> it's 10 minutes from my house. It's always in front of us. It's, wow. it's right it's there in front, right of in front of me. Of and wow. I, when COVID hit, I was like, who's using the camp? And uh, the camp was like, no, no one really. But here's the irony of the whole thing. My son and I do Taekwondo and um, we did Taekwondo um, for the cancer camps, we would come in and we would do demonstrations, anti-bullying, break a few boards, do some demonstrations. So when I partnered with them um, at Rotary Camps Florida for the school, they said, well, what about Leonard Hall? Would that be a good building for your school? I literally almost fell to my knees. My son actually taught Taekwondo in Leonard Hall to children wow. with school cancer. Is, and wow. that's the very room that they suggested I use for the first school in the U.S. for children with cancer, in his memory, and I was like, "How could that be? That you that this what is? What are you talking about right here and now? Like the Oof. synergy is insane that um, that that would end up being the building and all of Hillsborough County, the one building, the one place my son loved to go wow. and the building he actually taught in is now going to have a teacher teaching children with cancer. So it's the wow. full circle of it. I sometimes I still even when I pull in the parking lot now, I still sit here like I don't know how I got here but for the listener Jesus for the listener else. right now. Yeah. Wow. I mean, uh, the, the the listener is listening to this right now and it's and I know it's impacting them because they're seeing a reflection of their life and all the synchronistic events that are leading Absolutely. up to even up to this moment in time where you, the listener, are listening to this conversation. You're listening to it for a reason. Do you get that? There is yeah, something happening truly. here. And we are all tied into this. And that's the, that's the beautiful thing. Once you start to see that the universe is speaking to you and through you and with everyone, man, yeah, it just really ties absolutely. everything together. And that's the spiritual component that I know Bo loves. Uh, Yo, that's what I was about I to know. say, man. Like, I'm just feeling. I'm just taking it in right now, and I'm glad Forrest could actually explain it because whenever, whenever this this kind of energy happens and synchronicity happens, and uh, not only that, but the law of reciprocity of and, and really serving mm -hmm. all these years, Marianne, that you find you got your blessing, you got your blessing back yes. from your son, and and I'm and he's I there, think. and I'm just telling you, like, I had yeah. to take it in and just feel it and say thank you. I have to say thank you. You know, and not only just, um, you know, to your son, everything here, but we have to thank this beautiful, amazing, wonderful life that we have. And even if yeah. you're the worst, because that is right. you know, one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in a long time, hands down. And, yeah. you know, ah, thank you. Thank you, Marianne. You know, I just want to just say that there's, uh, I have this actually hanging in my bedroom, but it says, you know, we're all just walking each other home. And I live that every day. Because I believe that in life, we, we, you know, we're all here to serve and, and we're all here to walk each other home. And yes, there's going to be trees that fall and we got to figure out, do we go over the tree? Do we go around the tree? We're going to fall in the ditch. We're going to find, oh, here's a waterfall. Now what do I do? But you keep on walking. And, you know, if you're not, you know, I just, I'm a firm believer that, you know, Forrest, you know, you said earlier that, you know, I hold their hand and, you know, lead them through the smoke. But the truth of the matter is when you hold hands, 
they're pulling me through that smoke too. So mm. I, I just want to give all the bereaved families a lot of credit and a lot of love because we are all in this together. And I'm, I'm, firm, I'm a firm believer that yes, I might help and yes, I may offer grief services. And yes, I was trained to do that long before my son was diagnosed, let alone passed away. But if it wasn't for these other bereaved moms, you know, they're my phone call at 11 o'clock at night, too, when I'm having a bad day, you know, or I need to go out and have a glass of wine and, and have at it. Um, so we are all in this together and we are simply walking each other home. Absolutely. That's beautiful. We're walking each other home. Marianne, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for thank this. You both this so has much. been such an impactful uh, podcast episode for the listener. Um, for the listener, please share this. Uh, make sure um, you share this podcast with somebody that needs it. You know, uh, I'm sure you're resonating right now and you're thinking of that one person that this one person needs to hear this message right now. Go ahead, grab the link, send it over to them and gift them with this message. Also, Marianne, how do people get in co contact with you? And what is your website, please? Sure. Sure. The website is www.onevoicefoundation.org. And that's the number one. It's not O-N-E. It's uh, onevoicefoundation.org, and that's our website. Uh, we're also on Facebook, which is a great way to kind of keep up with uh, what we're doing each and every day, our events and our programs. Um, again, we have a research lab working on the vaccine for leukemia as well. Um, so if you're interested in more information on research, that's on our website as well. I know vaccines are a big topic right now because of COVID, but it's something that we've supported for many, many years to prevent um, from uh, preventing another child from getting leukemia is Dr. Tebby's goal. So we're happy to support that goal. Absolutely. Great. And is there any action steps yeah. that you want people to take? Is there a way that they can take action now? Or a um, way that they can at support? At this point, yeah. Yeah, we're going to actually be putting our Amazon wish list together. So, because, you know, obviously we're going to need school supplies and some different things to support the school itself. Um, it's been a challenging year for fundraising, obviously, when you have to cancel all of your signature events. So, fortunately, I write a lot of grants. So, if people know of foundations and organizations that have educational grants or uh, pediatric and cancer support, um, certainly you can notify me at 813 787 3042. Or uh, you can go to our go. website, and my email address is on there as well. And we're, we're happy to hear about any resources. If you're doing something in your community for children with cancer that you think we should know about or that we could be doing in ours, we are always open to new program ideas. Always, always, always. And we'll go ahead and put that in the show notes as well. So just look in the podcast show notes and we'll put that information as Great. well with the links to your website Thank you. as well. Excellent. Thank you. Awesome, Marianne. Yeah, yeah! Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you. Mwah, no, much love. Mwah, you're amazing. Much love. Keep yeah. up the great Mwah. work. Mwah. Keep up the great work. Thank you, and, Forrest. Uh, I can't wait to go take a plane from Oceanside, California out to Florida and visit you guys. So, yeah. I know. We'd love to have you. I'm so excited you've already seen the camp. Yeah. That's hilarious. It's wow. amazing. It's an amazing place. That See? It is. It's amazing. And it's getting more and more amazing. We're really, uh, we're painting and planting and wow. all kinds of cool things are going on. It's looking beautiful. Really yeah, beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. And thanks for being with the podcast. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Can you think of someone who really needs to hear this message right now? Great. Send them a link to this show.
Sharing is caring. Also, go on to Facebook right now and search Parents of Awesome Teens with Anxiety, Depression, or Low Self-Esteem so you can gain access to our supportive community. Remember, it takes a village. Thanks for listening to the Parent Teen Mindset Show. 